Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Wow, it's good to see you today. Thank you for the birthday greeting. 73 years, how about that? 73. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm in the fourth quarter, they say, but I, if, if I understand right, AJ, you win the game in the fourth quarter, right? So uh, we'll see what God has. But I thank you for your gifts, for your kindness, for your love, and for being part of this great house. In fact, if I haven't told you lately, I want to tell you that I love you uh, with all my heart, and I'm so thankful. Um, we're in this series, I Love My Church, we were going to end today, but we're actually going to end next week. Uh, we're going to stretch it out just a little bit farther than our dear friend Paula will be with us here speaking on the following Sunday, and I can hardly wait. I'm telling you, she's, she is top, top shelf. I guess that's a bad thing to say, but I'm not talking about. That's what, uh, that's what AJ told me. Some things are top shelf and some things are not. So. But anyway, she's going to be great. So invite a friend to come and be with us. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for your heart towards seeing our nation unified beyond prejudice. Thank you for those of you who are people of color that you would come to this house, whether you're black, brown, yellow, white, because this isn't a white church. It's not a black church. It's the Father's house. It's the Father's house. I don't take lightly that you would trust uh, yourself to be here, and uh, I'm, I'm just thankful, thankful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today. Since that uh, opening video and the prayer, especially the prayer that Brenda prayed, yeah. Lord, I've just sensed your presence. And um, Lord, I know some today will say, oh man, of all days that I'm come to church, going to talk about generosity and money. Bummer, I could stay at home. But Lord, I pray today that you would help us to understand that really putting you first is what we're talking about. And uh, I just pray that you would help me to say what you want me to say today. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And I pray today that you would be glorified, the saints would be edified, and the devil would be terrified in the name of Jesus. Wow. Well, Jesus loves his church, according to Ephesians 5 and 25. And we say because he loves his church, then he enables us to love his church. People say, well, that's kind of egotistical, isn't it? Talk about love your church. Why? This, you are the church. And how, how, it's not like the four walls here, and you don't see my name on anywhere. It's not about me, but it's, it, it's you and the other some uh, eight, nine hundred thousand people who call the Father's house their home. It's, it's, it's you. And so when we say, I love my church, we're saying, I love the people that are sitting around me today. And how can I love my church? Well, I can love my church, we said the first couple of weeks, about living out the mission that God gave us. He said, I want you to go into all the world, in your neighborhood. I want you to be a bringer, bring people to church. I want you to witness. Wouldn't it be great if this year you could win at least one person to the Lord Jesus? Wouldn't that be great if you could do that? Why not now? Some of you this week have shared with me, you know, I felt like God opened up the door for me to share the conversation about Jesus. And I was just a little timid. Maybe I couldn't answer all the things. Listen, if you feel that way, guess what? There are a lot of questions I get that I don't know the answer to. You know what I say? I don't know. 
I'll try to find out. If I can't find out when I get to heaven, I'll find out and I'll let you know where you are. <laughs> Just kidding. Second of all, we love our church by doing life together, by being in small groups, by making a difference, connecting. And then I love my church last week, we said by serving like Jesus. And we looked at Mark 10, 45. Read it with me, William. Here it is. Follow my example. Even the Son of Man did not come for people to serve him. He came to serve others and to give his life to save many people. So he said, God has gifted you with a gift that no one else has, and no one can use that gift the way that you do. And he wants you to find a place to use that gift to make the world a better place. Wouldn't it be great if you go through life and people show up at your memorial and they just simply say, they made my life better. I I don't want people to show up and say, well, what can I say about him, you know? But wouldn't it be great to just say, you know what? He made my life better. He lived for more than just himself. So today I want to talk about this topic. I love my church by extravagant giving. Say extravagant. Let me ask you, and you can just jot on your notes there somewhere, maybe between one and 10, 10 being extremely extravagant, generous, and one being chintzy, stingy, selfish. Where would you rate yourself? One to 10. Nobody's going, you're not going to turn those in, but just jot down there that, that number. Uh, would you consider yourself generous? Hmm. It's a good thing. Let's think about that this week. Let's talk about it in our small groups. I think when we look at all these things, love my church by living out the mission, doing life together, serving like Jesus or extravagant giving. You know, the number one thing that I see that would hold us back from doing any of those selfishness. Living a life about ourself. Well, I don't want to be in a small group. I don't want to know people. I don't want people to know my business. Well, you know, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to give. You know, the Bible says, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's talking there about attitude. Because Jesus stood at where they were putting their offering in. And he brought it up in front of everybody and said, this lady gave more than all of you. And throughout the New Testament, there were people that they brought an offering and it told how much that they brought. So Jesus doesn't want you to be secret giver. He wants you to be proud. You say, well, I don't want everybody to know my business. Senior pastors here and our executive administrator is the one who knows the giving. I know the giving. I look at the giving. You say, well, doesn't that bother you? Yeah, it bothers me sometimes when I see people talk a big talk and I look at their giving record and they never invest in this house. Yeah, that, that, but also it helps me to know that their life is out of order, and unless they change that, they're never going to understand the greatness and the fullness of God. So I would encourage you, I would encourage you, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. You say, well, I don't think I'm selfish. You were born selfish. Let me prove it to you. Can I use my lovely wife? Isn't she beautiful? So I take a picture of her, and she says to me, don't post that till I look at it. <laughs> but you think, you, you think that's you. But look, you see a group picture that's taken and somebody shows you the group picture. Who's the first face you look at? Yeah. None of us have to teach the two-year-old the word mine, 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 mine. I just read this week an article called Science Shows We Are Selfish. 
that we are inherently selfish. And listen, I, I'm, but according to this article, bad news, men. Men are more generally selfish than women. And on an average, those of you who work out at the gym all the time and so proud of your muscles, you're more stingy than the guy that passes a gym and goes to the donut king. Now, ladies, you can't get off the hook. That same study said if two women, best friends, were looking at a chocolate cake and how it was cut, you would take the biggest piece yourself. That's what culture tells us. Gratify yourself, indulge yourself, get whatever you can, keep whatever you can, it's all yours. But Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you don't indulge yourself. It's not about you, but deny yourself. Deny yourself and follow me. Think about others. We were all born selfish, but we were reborn generous. But we have to renew our mind to that. So here's our theme verse for today. It's from Proverbs 21, 26. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived except for Jesus. Here's what he said. Read it with me out loud. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous. Yeah, so here's what that says. You can amplify it. It says, all day long the lazy and selfish craves and craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. We say here at the Father's house, we love to give, say it with me, we love to give and we live to give. In other words, we're going to lead with irrational, extravagant giving. There are three different, when we think about generosity, there are three different mindsets to generosity. First of all, there's what I call the bag mindset. The bag mindset. And the bag mindset, if you look at your notes, says there's never enough. Uh, the person with this, and, and, and the example is when Haggai and those were rebuilding the temple, there were many of God's people that weren't bringing the first fruits to God. They weren't putting God first. They were spending it all on themselves. And they had a bag mentality. And here's what the scripture says. You eat, but you don't have enough. You ever notice that? There's got to be a better restaurant. There's got to be something else. You drink and you're never filled. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. You earn wages and you earn wages, but you put it into a bag that has holes. I mean, look at this. You, you go to work, you get your salary, you get your money, and you say, wow, man, God's going to, this is going to be a great week. And, and I just, and then when you get ready to look into the bag and see if you got any money, there's no money. And we say things like this to our kids. Well, we just, we'd love to give. We'd, we'd love to give to missions. We'd love to be able to tithe, but we just can't afford it because it seems like I got a raise last week, and, and I, and, but it just seems like even when I get a raise, oh, wow, I have a, oh, no, it's, it's, it's all gone. You ever wondered why you constantly struggle in the area of finances? Now, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to give everything to God and make it. No, if you're spending more than you're making, you're dumb. You need to be in the life group. 
that we have here about finances. You need to buy this book. We have some out in the lobby called The Generosity Secret by Nelson, a friend of mine, How to Get Out of Debt and Find Financial Freedom. It's a combination of those. You can't keep spending and spending and spending and spending and then think, okay, I'm going to start giving and giving and giving. No, it's the two of those together, right? Do you hear what I'm saying? But too many people have this bag mentality, and I think most Americans are like that. I mean, we grow up with that mindset, right? We hear from our parents. It's, we, just, we just don't have enough. And they say to us, no, what do you, what do you mean new pair of tennis shoes? Do you think money grows on trees? We're going to have to do without. And you know, wow, the poor gets poor, and that's where we are, and the rich get richer, and there's never enough in our bag. You know why? Because you've left God out. I don't care how much you make. You can be a multimillionaire sitting here today. And when it comes to you, you keep saying, well, I, I need to make more. I need to start another job. I need to ask for a raise. The issue is you have a bag mentality. The second is, there's what I call the basket mentality. And the basket mentality would say, there is enough. Say that, there is enough. Let me show you. In Deuteronomy 28, after they began to give to God and rebuild the tabernacle, here's what God promised them. All these blessings, that, look at this, it just doesn't say finances, but all these blessings will come on you that literally chase you down. How many of you like to have some blessings chase you down for a change? Get beyond the bag mentality. Put God in your life. And he says, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. So he says, some people have a basket mentality because they never give anything to God and they're only selfish. But he said, when you start giving to God and putting God first, you came out with a basket mentality. Bag, basket. Never enough or there is enough. Which, which one do you want? Jesus said it like this in the New Testament. I love this. He says, give and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, I know in context, that verse talks about lifestyle, but it's also the lifestyle of generosity, of giving, because think about it like this. If you keep what you make, that's all you've got. But if you take that and say, no, I'm, I'm going to give God, I'm going to, here's a good formula. First thing, I'm going to tithe 10% of my increase. I'm going to save at least 10%. And I'll live on the 80%. Parents, grandparents, teach your kids that principle. You give them an allowance. You teach them how to tithe. You teach them how to save. And let them use the other. Enjoy life. I'm just saying, but most of us came up through life and we just say, well, whatever we get, we got, we got to get more. I got to get a bigger job. I need a, a bigger salary. And then we try and we try. And we say, okay, it's, and it's all gone. Why? Because we spend it on ourselves. But that's not the end. Number three is the barn. The barn mentality says there is way more than enough. Say it with me. There is way more than enough. Now, look at this. Look at this room. Look up. See how high it is. Look how wide it is. Look how long it is. Look around. Every once in a while, you should look around this building to see the nearest exit so if something happens. 
right? I mean, you should know where the exit is. I do. There's a hole right here in the floor, and they push a button in the back, and I disappear. <laughs> We're going to start using it for boring speakers, too. They were here and they're gone. Don't know what happened to them. But here's what Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The what? Read it with me. The Look at your neighbor and say it's the first. The first fruits of your crops. You say, well, I'm not a farmer. It's thinking about the first of your increase. Whatever is an increase. I think Anita shared that last week that we, we tithe on gifts. Good gifts that I want. All right. Uh, it's too early in the morning like this, you know. What, what's wrong with me? Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. A bag with holes in it, mentality. A basket mentality of just getting by. Or a barn mentality. So how do I get the barn mentality? I kind of like that one, right? It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. That's why at the Father's house, we begin every year by purposely praying and fasting and seeking God. We start the beginning of every day with our version plan and praying, and as Brenda said, getting on our knees, talking to God. We start the beginning of every week with coming to here to worship and to honor God. The beginning of any increase that God gives you, we worship him with the first. The first fruits, we also call it the tithe. The Hebrew word is masir, which means one-tenth. One-tenth. I wish our income tax was that simple, that we all just pay a percentage and we don't allow people to sneak out and then we have to give more than everybody else. It's just, it's just simple. I should become a politician. No, not on your life. But those that are all politicians should look at that and say, maybe there is something to God's principle. But Masir, the tithe, the first fruit is 10%. So when I, we, we, we don't, you have the envelope there that you can give here. Anita and I give online. The reason we give online is because it takes all the wonder out of it. That if you're not here, well, did we give or did we not give? It's amazing how many people that, um, that during COVID, it changed our whole lifestyle about giving and people started giving online saying, I want to be sure God gets first place in my life. This today is not about, please don't hear this. It's not about condemning you. It's, it's not about saying you need to give more so that the pastors can give more. I don't cut my salary. My salary is set by a board of directors, takes care of that. I have no influence in that. But I'm saying is, I'm talking about, I want to you to be blessed. I don't want you to keep struggling through life and saying we never have enough. We can never do what we want. When we bring our first fruit, our tithe back to God, we're saying, God, I recognize you are the provider. 
and I'm going to put you first in my life. I acknowledge that everything I have comes from you, and I worship you, and I'm going to bring you the first fruits. Now, listen. Put your phone down. Quit playing games of cards on there. You say, did you see me do that? Yeah, I've walked by a couple of times to see people texting and playing games of cards. Give me the next three minutes. Give me the next three minutes. Don't, don't focus on what, where you're going to go to eat, how much longer we're going to teach. Give me about three minutes. And I hope that I can bring some sense to this confusing topic. Yes. Exodus 13, 2. Dedicate, this is God, dedicate to me every what? Firstborn. Firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So if I have sheep and I'm a shepherd and all of a sudden I increase by one lamb, do I wait until I get 10 lambs and then give God the sorriest one? He says, I want you, I want you to trust me and see if you won't put me first that if I won't bless you with a barn type of blessing. So he says, when you get that first lamb, I want you to bring it to the priest. I want you to sacrifice it to God. You say, man, couldn't he wait till I get a couple? Then maybe I could even do better. No. He says, if you're not willing to put me first, you'll never understand this principle. And then he says, Exodus 13 and 13, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, Break its neck. What in the world does that mean? Donkeys and sheep and break its neck and all that. Well, a lamb is clean. But a donkey was considered unclean. So God says, I want to teach you a principle of what I'm going to show you with my life. If you have a firstborn donkey that's born then you need to bring a lamb that's clean and let that lamb be sacrificed so that you can use the donkey. But if you don't use the donkey, if you're not going to sacrifice, if you're not going to bring the lamb to cleanse the donkey, break its neck. Break its neck. Now you say, well, what, is, what does that mean to me? Question, were you born clean or unclean? unclean. You were born unclean. You were born as a sinner. We are all inherit the sin nature of God. Now, who is Jesus? Jesus is the firstborn of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the lamb of God. So was Jesus clean or unclean? Clean. Clean. He never sinned. He didn't have the sin nature from his father. He had the divine nature of father God. So how did God give? He didn't hold back. God gave his firstborn, his one and only son, the clean lamb without a spot or without a blemish. Why did God do that? To redeem all of us unclean asses. (laughs) King James donkey. Okay. I wanted to wake up a few of you. 
There's no way I can get to God on my own. Because of sin nature. I am a donkey. I'm unclean. Unless I'm redeemed, you might as well break my neck because my life will never make a difference in this world. When did God give? He gave before we ever gave. God didn't say, hey, your attention, time out. I'm going to give my son. Now, how many of you will give your life to me through his redemption? No, he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. God gave first. God says, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not going to do. I did it first. I gave you my son. I gave you my son. And now I'm asking you to give me first place in your life. Surrendering your life, first place in your finances. James 1 and 22 in your notes says, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Today, in just a minute, not yet, we're going to receive our tithe and our offering. I'm going to ask you, some of you who've never started tithing to God, it takes faith, I know, it takes faith, really. Bag mindset, barn mindset. I'm going to ask you to try it for 90 days. Because God says, test me in this. See if I won't open windows of increase that you can never receive. So in a little bit, we're going to receive the tithe and offering. Also, between now and our church anniversary, the end of March, we're going to do our leave a legacy offering. Every year, we used to do it at the end of the year. This year, we're going to do it at the first of the year. And we're going to take every bit of that. And it's been great. You guys have responded. We've been able to get new sound equipment. We've been able to upgrade. We've been able to do so many different things. And you know, when we were talking about leave a legacy offering, we thought, well, what needs to be done? Well, we need to do this and we need to do that. And we dream about this and we dream about something else. But I preached myself under conviction. A few weeks ago, when I talked about the world that's lost without Jesus, I came to the elders and I said, I'm sorry, I can't get excited about anything for our legal legacy this year except missions. I can't get excited about the upgrades and the things that we were talking about. That doesn't mean that we won't ever do them. But when I think about the needs around the world, now, we already give to missions. Would you, would you look at the little brochure that it's, that's there? I'm not going to go through all of these, but we consistently, monthly, and yearly give to all these ministries in our community, at First Baptist Christian Care Center, Children's Shelter, Leesburg Elementary School, the Unforsaken Women in our region, E3 Family Solutions, in the nation, Victory Junction Camp and Disaster Relief, and in the world, A21, EME, Threads of Hope, Outdoor Ministries, The Return Center, Faith Comes by Hearing, Compassion International, Bible Project, Follow the Need with Lila and Richard. And, and by the way, there is a need there. Richard's still in need of a kidney if God would speak to you. And if you're interested in that, you can fill out the connection card or you can call the church office and we'll hook you up. 
And then there's the Heart of Titus Ministries in Ecuador, the Joshua Project, Youth for Christ, Ark Church Planning. Those are all areas that we're involved in. But this year, this year, during these three months, and, and I believe that Gail is going to be with us on Palm Sunday, and she's going to talk about what's going on in the Middle East and countries and nations that are opening and things. And here's what I'm praying, and I'd, I'd like for you to pray and, and believe this with me. I'm praying that between now and the end of March, our church anniversary, we can raise, through your sacrificial giving, over $100,000. And I am praying and believing that every bit of that $100,000 will go out to missions. We tithe from our church. We tithe to other ministries. And so I, I'm believing. And, and so here's what you've got to know. There are, there are groups that are joining together and are focusing on the year 2033 to have all known languages covered. And Jesus said, when this gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout the world, I'll come. I'm not asking you to fill out a pledge card. We thought about that. We may do them next year. But I want this to be a heart response. That in the next, what is it, five, six weeks, you know what, I, I think we can give 500. I think we can give 100. I think we can give 1,000. I think we can give 10,000, maybe 5,000. I, I don't know where you are financially. But I believe God will speak to all of us and we'll do a sacrificial giving and I believe we'll have more than $100,000 to give totally to missions. One of the projects, one of the projects that we want to get involved in, I want you to watch this video, but as, as the buckets pass, drop in your tithe and offering. If God speaks to you about giving more, you can still fill out that envelope and drop it at the at back. But I want you to watch this video because we're going to spend the majority of our money helping to get the gospel into places where they don't even have a written down language. Watch this. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us. Earth's population numbers in the billions and continues to grow. There are over 7,000 languages spoken around the world. 70% of all humanity live in oral communities and 50% cannot read at a functional level. Christ tells us that his gospel will be proclaimed throughout the entire world as a testimony to all nations before the end. But how? Alone, the monumental task of delivering God's word in the heart language of every people group on earth would not be possible. But we are not alone. Faith Comes by Hearing has partnered with the worldwide translation community in a movement to finish the task and ensure that everyone on earth has access to God's Word in a format they can understand by the year 2033. We're committed to doing our part by recording scripture and creating listening programs for oral communities around the world. After two millennia, in an unprecedented time of unity within the body of Christ, we can finally see the Great Commission fulfilled in our generation. 
This movement cannot be stopped, and there is an opportunity for each one of us to be a part of it. This is it, the final sprint. Join the movement. Wow. We're going to have one of those boxes that you'll be able to see. We'll talk to you how they're used and how they take them into communities, how some have been dropped into the jungle. It's Jesus' heart. He came to this world to die so that we could spend eternity with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure want to live in the barn blessings. How about you? Would you bow your head with me? God, we thank you today that we recognize that you're a good God. You're an abundant God. You're not a God of lack, but you're a God of provision and blessings. And you don't bless us so that we can wallow in the gravy and buy another car, another condo, or upgrade our house. But you trust us with money so that we can help radically being generous to give to needs that are around us in this house and in the nation. As you continue to pray, would you ask, if you're a believer, would you ask God to help you to live a radically generous life? As we keep praying today, as every head is bowed, and I, I, I know the reality of what's happened today as some of you recognize today, you are not walking with God. You understand that you're out of fellowship with Him. He's not first in your life. I mean, you hardly even think about Him until you get in trouble. And then you look at your life and say, you know what, man, Terry, I've done some bad things. You know, I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've lusted. I've said bad words. I'm selfish by nature. Today, you can acknowledge your guilt and say, you know what? I'm standing before God, not saved. Here's what I hope you'll understand, that God gave first. God gave his firstborn, the Lamb of God, Jesus, to redeem and to purchase, pay for my sins and your sins to make us right. Jesus came into this world without sin. He shed his life on the cross because we were sinners and we couldn't pay the debt. And today, he's simply saying, would you let me come into your life, forgive you of your sins, give you a purpose for living, give you the hope for eternity. Those of you today that would say, Jesus has not been first in my life, but today I want to change that. I want to turn from my sins and turn toward him. I want to make him first. I want to call upon his name. If that's your prayer as this church continues to pray, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, that's me today. I, I am surrendering my life to Jesus. This is a day that I'm surrendering my life to him. Just raise your hand. And those of you that are online, right where you're sitting, saying, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Yes, thank you. Others today say, that's me. That's me. Yeah, Terry, that's me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. You think, why am I sensing this? Why am I feeling this? 
because Jesus wants you to experience his redemption power. Pray this prayer with me today as those who lifted their hands. Heavenly Father, I trust you with my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you. Show me your love so that I can make a difference in this world. Fill me with your spirit. In your name, I thank you for new life. I give you my life, Jesus. I put you first. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.